Welcome to the HR Empowerment Podcast, where we will uncover strategies and new insights from HR professionals who discuss up-to-date regulations, best practices, and the most pressing topics like diversity and equity, leadership, dealing with difficult situations, and much more that affect your bottom line and business. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everybody. Wendy Sellers here, the HR lady. This is a podcast series about personality styles, personality traits, communication, and authentic leadership. In a previous podcast, we've talked about personality styles. So now let's talk about personality traits and how yours might just annoy someone else. Understanding personality traits will complement any knowledge you may already have on personality styles or just on communicating with people in general. Now, our trusty friend, Dictionary.com, states that an extrovert is an outgoing, overtly expressive person, where the opposite, an introvert, is a shy, reticent person. And then Dictionary.com goes on to explain what the middle is, an ambivert. And that's a person whose personality has a balance of both extrovert and introvert features. Not confusing at all, right? It's really not that confusing. Draw a line, one end put extrovert, the other end put introvert, in the middle is an ambivert. Now let's plunge deeper into these three personality traits. Be sure to know which personality trait you believe you are and which your colleagues might be especially the colleagues that annoy the heck out of you. It might actually be you that needs to be tamed and not them. Guess what? We are usually part of the group dynamics problem. From now on, be part of the solution. An extrovert is a naturally outgoing person. They enjoy spending time with people on a regular basis. They also enjoy working on teams and they enjoy talking through challenges and decisions with other human beings. On the opposite side is an introvert and they are naturally reserved. They enjoy spending time alone as their primary option and of course they enjoy working alone. They also enjoy working through details on their own before being forced to work with another person or team. In the middle is an ambivert. They are outgoing when comfortable with it. They enjoy spending time with others as well as spending time alone. They enjoy working on a team well after working on individual tasks. They do enjoy managing information with other people and on their own. There are also many, many well thought out and researched schools of thoughts on introvert, extrovert, introverted extrovert, extroverted introvert. It all gets so confusing to me. So I like to just keep it as simple as possible. Generally speaking, people tend to consistently weigh in with one trait. They're an extrovert, they're an introvert, or they're an ambivert, which is the mix of both. Uh, They may be possibly leaning more one way if they're an ambivert, closer to the extrovert side, closer to the introvert side. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about some other personality traits or dimensions. Uh, There is one school of thought that uses the acronym OCEAN, and it stands for openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. And these are often called the five big traits of personality traits. 
Uh, so again, we're getting a little deep here. I do like to keep it simple, but I just want to give you more information. Uh, we covered extrovert, introvert, and, and then again, in the middle is maybe an ambivert. In the real world, though, most people lie somewhere in between the two polar ends of each of the dimensions that I'm going to discuss right now. So let's start with the OCEAN acronym, OPENNESS. This trait features characteristics such as imagination and insight. So you can have somebody who's highly open or they're less open. If somebody is a very highly open person, they're going to be much more adventurous and creative. Uh, they're usually going to be open to trying new things and focus on tackling new challenges that arise. They'll be happy to think about abstract concepts. Where on the other end of the openness, so let's say not open, they are not going to like change, especially not frequent change. They do not necessarily enjoy new things. They have to take their time to get used to that. And therefore, they will resist new ideas, especially if it's a constantly changing environment. They're not very imaginative. Uh, it's not a bad thing, but they're very good at sticking to the way things work properly. And then on the opposite side of, you know, very open, the non-open person dislikes theoretical concepts. The next concept in the ocean theory is conscientiousness. This is a, a dimension of thoughtfulness, uh, good impulse control, and goal-directed behaviors. So very highly conscientious people tend to be much more organized and mindful of details. So details are their friend. They spend time preparing, and then they also finish important tasks right away. And like I said, they really like details, so they enjoy having a set schedule. On the low end of conscientiousness, so the opposite of highly conscientiousness, is uh, someone who dislikes structure. They don't necessarily like schedules. They don't take care of the details, so they actually work in what we might consider a messy environment, but that's how they thrive. They may also fail to return things or put them back where they belong, which would drive the other end crazy, and they are accused of also procrastinating. Now, as you can see, some of these terms seem like they're negative, but they're actually really good in certain careers. We talked about the E in ocean, if we're using that terminology, which is extroversion, and then the opposite is introversion. And then the A in the ocean acronym is agreeableness. And somebody who is highly agreeable has the traits of trust, altruism, kindness, affection, and very pro-social behavior. So they like to be around people. They have a great deal of interest in other people, care about other people, um, have a natural sense of empathy and concern for other people, and definitely want to help others who are in need. If they have a low sense of agreeableness, then they are going to appear to take little interest in other people, and it may come off that they don't care about other people's feelings. Uh, they have little interest in solving other people's problems because they are probably concerned with their own, and they often are accused of manipulating others to get what they want. And then the final letter in the OCEAN acronym 
of personality traits is neuroticism. And this is a trait that is characterized by sadness, moodiness, and general instability in their emotions. People that are very high in the neuroticism trait tend to have a lot of irritability, sadness, anxiety, and the opposite side of that is they appear to be much more stable and emotionally resilient to stress, for example. They seem to not worry so much and be very relaxed. So as you can see, going down these roads of personality styles, personality traits, um, the ocean anagram, there are so many more that are out there. It could be very, very confusing. If you're interested in learning more about this, I encourage you to do so. Again, for me, I stick with the DISC model. I stick with the, the you know, extreme extroversion or extreme introversion and the ambivert in the middle. And I try to just make it as simple as possible when I'm trying to figure out who's going to be a good fit for what role in this organization. Lining your team members up with a job that matches their personality trait as well as their style is vital for the success and the success of the department and company as a whole. Do a quick internet search for job examples based on personality trait. You can do this for personality styles too. But please note that these are not complete or scientific as a company must analyze every job based on the distinctive characteristics as well as each candidate's or employee's unique knowledge, skills, and abilities. Can you imagine though relying on a solid introvert to conduct cold calls or attend a business networking event solo? They die. Or requiring a solid extrovert to work at a desk on a data project with no interaction for colleagues for two days straight? They would also just crumble and die. An ambivert may also lean closer to an introvert or extrovert, as I mentioned. So pegging someone as in the middle and fair game for all miscellaneous tasks is also going to set yourself up for failure. Now, knowing the basic differences between extrovert, ambivert, and introvert, ask yourself if your colleagues or your employees are truly an annoying jerk or just different from you and possibly others on the team, or they might be the same as you and one of you is fighting for power. Whose responsibility is it to find solutions to work better with personality styles or traits? Yours or theirs? Hint, it's almost always your responsibility no matter what your role is. Communication, empathy, and educating yourself and others on a team is no longer optional, it's mandatory. Make sure you have the right people in the roles designed to match their personality traits. And again, this might work with styles too. I suggest going even a step further and educating the whole team on personality traits and personality styles and which specific traits are needed for success in each role. Why would you do this? so you and your entire team can get stuff done instead of complaining about being annoyed by a colleague. Remember that you can't really determine what type of personality trait or personality style you are without having a valid and reliable assessment. But I hope this podcast series is helping educating you on the different types. 
Some tools that are out there are DISC, of course, which I mentioned in our, in our previous podcast, and Myers-Briggs, also known as MBTI. And then I found a cheap online introversion, extroversion test on psychologytoday.com, and it's only $6.95 and takes about 25 minutes to complete. Now, modern MBTI tests are based on psychological theories published in 1921, and this is actually where DISC was taken from. The style of the Myers-Briggs type test that is used today was first published in 1962. Now, in terms of the test-taking process, the Myers-Briggs test asked participants to answer a lengthy series of questions, so it's about 90 questions, so pretty time-consuming. These questions are designed to indicate how the personality of the test taker falls into four categories. The first one is introversion or extroversion. So how do you focus your attention? As you can see, that falls in line with the personality traits. The second one is sensing or intuition, how you process information. The third one is thinking or feeling, how you make decisions. And then the fourth one is judging or perceiving. How do you interact with the world? Generally speaking, the Myers-Briggs MBTI is a good assessment tool for individuals looking for self-knowledge, grabbing that mirror, self-reflection. Its results tend to be very personal. Because it is so deeply personal and based on a large amount of revealing data from 90 questions, people who take it off and feel uncomfortable sharing the results with others. That's why I like to use DISC. DISC offers a much more user-friendly interface. The simple acronym DISC is easy to remember. It's only four letters, even though there's 12 categories altogether. It makes a much more lasting impression on the individuals. In fact, it's typical for individuals who took a DISC assessment to remember the results after taking the initial assessment for years. DISC sorts interpersonal behavior, again, into the four categories that we've discussed on previous podcasts, and this aids in self-understanding. Also, because when you're taking the DISC personality test, it's specific to whatever environment you have in mind. So when you're answering the questions, you're answering them based on maybe that work environment, or in some cases, possibly a home environment. It's easier for individuals taking this assessment to actually share their results because they're confident that their test results might reveal their work personality and their private personality can remain protected. Do we have different personalities at work and home? We sure do if we've learned to adjust. As a leader or an HR professional or even a business owner, Please, again, know that there are thousands of personality assessments available, and their quality does vary. Get what you pay for, right? Some might even land an employer, though, in legal trouble. So before choosing a personality assessment, explore your options carefully and make sure it's the right one for your company and then, of course, your company budget. And then who's going to use it and for what? Know that many personality assessments were not built for employment decisions, but rather for improved communication. Thank you for joining the HR Empowerment Podcast brought to you by Aurora Training Advantage. We hope you've gained new insight and strategies to navigate the HR profession. We look forward to you joining us again on the HR Empowerment Podcast.